Good evening. I'm Joseph Martinez, and welcome to Dead Time Stories, a podcast by Graveyard Shift dedicated to telling just that. Scary stories submitted by real people. Whether the stories are real or not, who knows? But they are scary. Tonight, our host, Deadhead, shares with you six tales from truck stops. Now, please forgive me. I can take you no further. But your stories lie just ahead, down the dark alleyway and into the back of a greasy big rig truck. Your host awaits. Do be careful, though. Deadhead can be mercurial. I'll wait for you here. Godspeed. it is. Tonight, I've prepared for you six stories from truck stops around the U.S. that are guaranteed to drive you mad. Our first tale comes from a guy who thinks he's one step ahead of everyone. I call this one The Rig. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Piece of advice, women love the bad boy drifter. They can't resist me, and I've changed many a dutiful wife's vows. I'm used to being the seducer, getting what I came for and getting out. I think that's why what happened gets me so bad. It got me. The screaming behind me has stopped, and I hear the sizzle now. I better get on with it. See, I'm a trucker. I make big money. I tell it like it is. Someone with my looks, charms, and intelligence, (laughs) we get ahead. So try to keep up. I pulled into this little truck stop town. I'm cruising down the main drag looking for where I'm going to set up shop for the night. I spot this little roadhouse, the country girl. Love it, I thought, and pulled in. The country girl was jumping. Truckers, bikers, ladies, my kind of place. I heard Metallica from the parking lot. Hell yeah, brother. Place was packed. I had to park in the back lot. You see, these roadhouses, they have lots of big rigs stop by. So they have this huge dirt parking lot in the back. It was a hike to the bar, but I'm in good shape, so I didn't mind the distance. Something wasn't right, though. That's when I noticed a few of the other rigs had their cab doors left open with no one inside. Like the drivers were in a hurry to get somewheres. It was strange. All the rigs were circled around this one old gray Peterbilt. Like, it was the king of the trucks. The only spot I could find was right behind King Peterbilt's trailer. I parked my rig's nose facing the king's rear loading doors, right up its butt. (laughs) That's when I noticed a few of the other rigs had had their cab doors left open with no one inside, like 
the drivers were in a hurry to get somewheres. I took a peek inside. There was nothing worth taking. So I walked by this old king Peter built, the name Boneless Bill painted on the driver's side door, like that's the guy's CB handle. <laughs> I hear this quiet, slow sizzle, like bacon on a griddle. Then I heard a scream, or at least I thought I did. Made me jump a little. All of a sudden, I'm hit with this odd sweet smell. Next, this music and this loud ruckus kicks up. Laughing, click, click, click of a roulette table. I get the picture. This is one of those gambling rigs that drives around stealing truckers' money. Mmm, that makes sense now. I've had lots of time to figure this thing out. So, I turn back towards the bar, and a man's voice yells out, Step right up, free buy-in. I just walked towards the bar. The air didn't smell right. I should have drove off. The country girl was nice with a real nice bartender. She said, come on in when she see me. One of those curvy little girls. I was in my element, on the prowl. Couple of drinks, couple of tacos from the roach coach out front. Back to the bar, making my rounds. Talking a little shop with the boys, shooting a little pool. A nice night. Of course, I had a few prospects from my rig sleeper that evening. One was the bartender. Now, I know what you're thinking. She's the bartender. She's just trying to get a tip. But with me, it's different. I think her name was Crystal or Amber or Ruby or something like that. She was into me, though. We talked it up, and I invited her to my cab for a nightcap. She was tired and had a headache. You know, she'd been working all day. I get it. By then, the other tail had left, so I headed back to my sleeper solo. I need alone time anyway. You know, gather my thoughts. The front lot was real empty by now. Taco trucks closed. It's probably two in the morning. I stumbled to the back lot. The weird empty trucks were still there. Doors open, clothes and shit hanging out. But King Peterbilt was gone. In the exact same spot, though, sat a bright green Kimworth with a premium light job on it. I could afford that, but, you know, I'm not a show-off. Yeah. Anyway, it's not the same truck, and as I'm walking by, I hear an old man's voice say, Cheap parts. What? I asked. Cheap parts, he said again. He sounded like he was talking from the cab. The driver's side window was rolled down, but I couldn't see anyone inside. Nah, I'm good, I said, and I walked back to my rig. Now, remember how my cab was facing the King's trailer door? Well, it was facing this new truck's doors, too. The loading door was open, and I could see a light coming from the back. There was something going on inside. I could smell that weird smell again. My curiosity got the better of me. I walked past the open roller door and take a peek inside the trailer and I swear I see a bunch of dudes standing still like they were tied up staring at me. Some were strapped to the ceiling hanging down like meat from a hook in a reefer trailer. I blinked my eyes and the bodies vanished. I was staring at hanging truck parts. Eh, too many tequilas I thought. I heard cheap parts one last time before I got into my rig. I was too tired for some part hawker and I climbed into my sleeper and bedded down. 
The moment I close my eyes, a light shined through my eyelids. I get up. There's this bright light shining from the trailer's loading doors. And I can see a figure of a woman, a short, curvy woman. Come on in, she says. The bartender. My first thought was, (laughs) I knew it. That little lady liked me. Just playing hard to get. Sometimes it's that way. I grab my flat bottle of tequila and put on my slippers. Party time. (sighs) Idiot. When I hopped out, I noticed it was a different truck, which made sense at the time. Why would my country girl bartender be in the back of a rig selling parts? But if I'd been thinking with my big head, I might have considered the fact that I never heard the Kenworth leave and the new one pull up. Did you figure it out yet? This one looked like there was a bar inside. Strange, I thought. Maybe it's a party wagon deal. Shit, you'd have fallen for it. Now, I will say I had this gnawing feeling that something was wrong. The bartender, Crystal, I think that's what her name was, was dancing. But it looked strange, like jerky kind of, stuttering. I hopped down off my rig, smelled that smell again. Kind of sweet, but stinky. Like a dead rat stuck behind a dryer in the summer. Come on in, she said. Game on, I'm thinking. I jumped into the trailer and she starts walking towards the back. It got real, real dark back there. I noticed the floor was wet, but it's not water, it's like oil. I started to slip, but I used the wall of the trailer to balance myself. The walls felt coarse like weaved boar's hair. The bar setting in the trailer was strange. The dartboard was hung too low on the wall to play. The wooden bar was only half built. All kinds of empty glasses were on the counter. Bottles of liquor were oddly placed. It was like some kindergartner's lame drawing of what they thought a bar looked like. That was when I realized this was a bad idea. See, I've been around the block a few times. I know what a sleeper creeper and setup looks like when I see one. In case Crystal's boyfriend jumps out in the dark and tries to roll me, I pull out my knife and I keep it behind my back. She walks in deeper. Come on in, she says in that exact same way every time, like a recording. She walked into the darkness at the back of the trailer and just disappeared. Now, I'm not saying it was too dark to see her. I'm saying she was gone, like a ghost. Then, like someone flicked the lighter, there was no more bar, no more bottles, no more dartboard. I'm surrounded by bodies. The hanging bound men I saw earlier were all dead, or mostly dead, and all around me. Shit. I turn to run, but but my feet slip on the oil, and I go face first into the floor and bust my nose. I'm trying to stand, but it's like trying to walk on ice and cowboy boots. I braced myself against the walls of the trailer to gain my balance, but these spines, like foot-long porcupine needles, stabbed into my back. If you're walking in, they're smooth, but if you're walking against them, they're sharp as a butcher's knife. I knew I had to get the hell out of there, and I pushed hard against the needles, cutting the tips of my fingers clean off. I don't even care about the damn fingers. The bodies that were in the trailer alive, I could hear them moaning now that 
that they'd see me. They wanted my help. Shit, I need help. Behind the bodies, I saw the back of the trailer for real. It was soft and pink and slathered in sludge. At the center was a man-sized hole, like a gaping throat. That sweet, rot smell was even stronger now. Made me want to puke. I struggled, but I was still flat on my back, and those damn spines took more of my flesh. I was stuck. Then, these tentacles, like mudworms, grabbed me, tied me to the floor. I could have kept fighting, but I thought it was better to wait, keep calm, and think my way out of this. That was six days ago. It's a good guess, because that's how many new dudes are in the trailer with me now, and that's how many times I've heard a scream and sizzle. I've tried my knife, but... The walls and floor are thick. It's like stabbing at a stack of mattresses. Did you figure it out yet? The truck. It's not a truck. It's a Venus flytrap. Well, not really, but it's like one. Instead of the flower, it looks like a truck. And this one? Don't eat flies. It traps its prey by messing with the mind, seducing it with what the rig thinks you want. And... It can change its appearance if it doesn't guess right. See, those dudes that were tied up were waiting in line to be digested. That sludge at the back of the truck, that's the digestive fluid. And the oil of the tentacles on the floor moves the next item on the menu closer to the back of the trailer, where I'm guessing the stomach is. The meat grinder. The scream and sizzle I had first heard was somebody being dissolved. That's why it wanted me. It likes to stay full. I'm almost at the back now. Next in line. So, how'd you get in? Ouch. How quickly the hunter becomes the hunted. And the hunted becomes lunch. Let's take a moment to digest this. And after the break, I'll tell you our second story. Settled in? Excellent. Our next tale is one that will have you asking questions all the way to the very end. The most important being, Hydraulic fluid is red, right? I was curious about people, places, and things. Once, though, my curiosity almost got me killed. Lucky this kitty has nine lives. (laughs) One downside to being a trucker is it gets lonely out on the road. So when another trucker wants to chat on the CB radio, they'll throw out a call to anyone who's listening. You never know who is throwing out a call. It, it could be the devil himself. He said his name was Little Tinkerer. I was immediately intrigued. I love talking shop, and I had my daddy's friendly disposition, so I called back. Little Tinkerer, this is spilt milk. He replied with, how are you doing this evening? He sounded old and fragile, sweet even. He knew who I was. I was flattered. I knew my rig had a little notoriety, but I never expected a total stranger to know who I was. Still, through my pride, I could feel something pulling at the back of my brain, telling me something was wrong. Well, we got to talking, and he knew a lot about customizing, fabricating, electrical. My drive was flying by. I must say I was enjoying myself. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. 
I gotta show you something, Milk. You'll love it. Let's meet up and I'll show you my tinkerbox, he said. I'm friendly, but I am not stupid. I know it's dangerous for women. Hell, anyone on the road. Miles of secluded highway and rest stops like graveyards. We've all heard the horror stories. But he was nice, sweet even. His voice conjured up images of a little old grandpa who tinkers to pass the time between his grandkid visits. I was dead wrong. Like I said, I'm not stupid. I told him I wanted to meet someplace public. I know a place we could meet, a strip mall. I wouldn't want to meet a stranger in the middle of nowhere either, he said. This eased my worries, and I fired up my rig and headed out. I pulled up to the strip mall. It was just off the highway. Tiny Tinkerer was already there. The parking lot was empty, but I figured it was early for shopping. Besides, it was right off the highway, and there were lots of cars driving by. His rig was all flat black, a very unassuming kind of truck we all have passed on the highway and not given a second thought to. I hopped out of my rig and knocked on the door. No one answered. Then in the reflection of the door panel, I could see a giant looming over me. Spilt milk, he said. I turned around and there was this this 30-something giant standing over me. He had a huge head and hands like baseball mitts. His voice didn't sound like a sweet grandpa anymore. It was sharper, quicker. I tried to hide my shock. What did I just get myself into? He reached out to shake my hand. I hoped he didn't notice how clammy mine was. We talked a bit, but things seemed different now. He seemed a little strange, like he was trying to hide something, but but the mask was slowly slipping off. I, I just wanted to get the hell out of there. Do you want to see it? My tinkerbox, he eventually asked. No, my brain shouted, but I, I don't know. I didn't want to seem rude or judgmental, and he just kept pushing. Oh, come on, it's so cool. You've never seen anything like it. You're going to love it. Then he sounded wounded. Do I scare you? he asked. This giant looked like a hurt bunny rabbit. I scare everyone. That's why I'm alone. I'm sorry, he said. I bought it all, hook, line, and sinker. I said, sure. I saw him smile for the first time. He opened the door, and it was pitch black inside. Too black for the middle of the day. His hurt demeanor turned off like a light switch. Climb on in, he said. It's back in the sleeper. As I climbed in, I could see a control panel right by the driver's side door he was standing beside. The cab was a black void. It smelled moldy in there. It was warm. He he clicked on the dome light. The sleeper was immaculate. I'd never seen a sleeper so clean. Mine wasn't even this clean. New crisp sheets, everything perfectly folded, bedding immaculately tucked. But there were no personal touches. It felt like a hospital or a morgue. Lay in the bed, he said. No way, I thought. I can't hurt you. I'm out here, Tinkerer reminded me. No. I really got to get going. I got a delivery, I replied, trying to mask my terror. Lay in the damn bed, he commanded. What the hell did you get yourself into, Milk, I thought. I I was scared now, and you can't think right when you're scared. I laid on the bed. I heard a click and the bed vibrated. I screamed. Ha ha ha, little tinkerer laughed. You need to relax. It's a massage bed. Helps me sleep. Then another click. He was pushing the buttons on the control panel. The bed suddenly folded inwards like walking through saloon doors. I fell about a foot and hit a metal floor. I cried out and he laughed hysterically. Got you, he said. That's my trap door. This cab is a lot bigger than it looks. I was scared and angry now. I jumped off the bed and headed to the passenger door to climb out, but there was no handle. The door was welded shut. Oh, if you want to get out, you have to come this way, he said. His massive body blocked the entire driver's side door. Something was very wrong. I looked through the windshield, but but there was no one. 
Is this an abandoned strip mall? I thought. I went to honk the horn, but the horn was disconnected. It was as quiet as the parking lot. You lied. I do scare you. You're just like everyone else. But I like you. Here, push this button. He grabbed my shaking hand and guided my finger to a red button on the control panel. I'll let you out. Promise. Just press this little button right here. I was sitting in the driver's chair, legs hanging off the side, aimed directly at his sternum. I could have kicked him. Uh, Maybe it would have stunned him long enough for me to run and get help. Or maybe I'd still be in that truck. Maybe I'd be in the tinkerbox. He held my finger just over the button. Push it, he said. Just push it and go. Every fiber of my being said don't. I pushed it. He laughed a little, smirked. Wow, he said. That metal box you busted your butt on was the lid of my tinker box. My tinker box, once it's closed, stays closed till you press that button you just did and it does what it's built to do. You hear that, he asked. I shook my head, no holding back tears. That's right, you can't hear shit. There's a one-ton hydraulic press in there, and the button you press makes it go all the way down, squishing anything in its way into jelly. But it's so well insulated, someone inside could be screaming till their lungs exploded, and you wouldn't hear a damn thing. The hair on the back of my neck tingled. I was shaking. Tears were streaming down my face. But don't worry, he said. It's empty. What do you think, I'm crazy? (laughs) He backed out of the door, and I I sprang out of the driver's seat. I ran back to my rig. That's when I heard him yell from across the parking lot. Watch the mess, (laughs) he warned with a wink. I looked down at my boots and found the stickiest red hydraulic fluid I'd ever seen. I followed my footprints back to a large red pool under the cab of his truck. I kept asking myself, hydraulic fluid is red, right? Tinkerer was already in his rig. He gave me a smile, and as he drove away, his last words were, my tinkerbox leaks. Hey, don't cry over spilled blood, right, cadavers? I hope that last tale didn't leave you too depressed. We'll pull into a rest stop and let you wash up. Stick around for the next story. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Everyone enjoys some quiet, right? Well, our next storyteller enjoys it a little too much and suffers the consequences in a story I call A Good Listener. Are you listening? This is quiet, please. That's my radio handle. This happened a couple years ago, and I can only now talk about it. This is the second time in my life I've ever felt the need to share a story with a stranger. This story is about the first. See, I never really fit in, wasn't much good at school, and couldn't play any sports. Most of the time I spent by myself. All people wanted to do was talk about themselves anyway. I'm quiet. I'm not so sure I got anything worth saying. I guess that's why being a long-haul trucker seems so appealing. Being out on the open road, getting to see this beautiful country, and having some time to think could be good for a while. I'm still driving to this day. The thing about the road is that it talks to you. And if you listen, you can learn a lot. I learned a lot when I hit 500,000 miles on my rig. It was Christmas Eve, and she rolled over, heading north on the I-5, right before the grapevine. I had this strange, overwhelming urge to share my milestone with someone, to make a connection. (laughs) I had never felt like that before in my life. I broke into the channel on the radio, drivers. This is quiet, please. I'm about to hit 500K for the first time, but nothing. I put it out there in a few other channels and got yelled at by some driver named Buckshot for stepping on his channel. I quit trying to break the news. A little dejected, but still in a celebratory mood, I pulled into this 24-hour diner called Mike's Cafe. It was 11 p.m., and I just wanted some good comfort food before I went to bed. I still had the bug to tell someone about my momentous occasion, but the place was a ghost town. I tried to tell the waitress, but she had better things to do. I gave her the, hey there, darling, and received a menu thrown in my face. I sat in the booth alone, thinking about ordering the number 21. That's when I saw him. I hadn't seen him when I walked in. He was sitting in the corner at the back of the bar. I stared at him. An old-timer, clearly a driver, who obviously wanted to be left alone. It was like I was looking into the future. This man was on the road his whole life, and it all led to him sitting alone on Christmas Eve in a truck stop diner in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) He could vanish from that very spot, and no one would care except for the waitress who wouldn't get a tip. I decided for his sake and for mine to reach out, to share a moment. To make a friend. I approached him. Howdy, friend. Merry Christmas. He looked up at me and smiled. He had the kindest eyes I'd ever seen. Merry Christmas, and God bless you, he replied. I felt like he really meant it. (laughs) Well, that opened the floodgates, let me tell you. Now, when I said I was quiet, I mean quiet. There were weeks on end I didn't say one word. I mean, I forgot what my own voice sounded like. When I went to speak the first words, they would squeak out like bad air brakes. 
Well, when I felt like this old timer noticed me, I mean really saw me, something broke free. I told him about the 500,000 miles on my rig. I told him about icy inclines, mountain passes, and tipping my payload. I told him why I started trucking and why I never had a friend in my life. He just listened, staring back at me with those kind eyes. I noticed his meal was only half eaten. I thought maybe he was just too polite to eat while I was talking at him. I told him, go ahead, eat. But his face just urged me to say more. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. I realized I had become the very thing that I said I despised. Someone who just wants to talk about themselves. I told him about how I didn't know my dad and my mother did the best that she could. I got choked up a few times, but he just looked at me with a little smile and a twinkle in his eye. A few times I swatted flies away from his food because he wasn't doing it himself. He was too polite to interrupt my stories, and that warmed my heart. I talked for a bit more. It was kind of a confessional, I guess you could say. I could see no judgment in his face. I told him about the good times, and I could tell that he was right back there with me. I told him about the bad times and the sadness and regret shimmered in his eyes. When I started talking about my mom, I got a little misty. She worked her ass off so that I could have a better life, and she never complained once. Admiration beamed in his face. <laughs> this poor old guy listened to me babble all night and into the wee hours of the morning. It was when the fly landed on his eyeball, I realized. The best listener I had ever met in my entire life at some point during our one-sided conversation had died. Talk about being bored to death. I hope you could have us survive our next break. I'd hate for you to miss out on our next tale. On the road again, cadavers. Our next story is told by a trucker who gets one last look at his long-lost brother in Thanks, Johnny. Work hard, play hard. That's my motto. I've been trucking for 15 years, so I've done my fair share of both. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've also seen hell. When I was a boy, my brothers and I used to play this game in the quarry. The three of us would go down underwater and yell a phrase as loud as we could. Just short of drowning, we'd swim back up to the surface and tell the others what we thought we had heard them trying to say. It always came out something silly like panthers in the west, indoors, some nonsense. My older brother Johnny would always say he heard us say something filthy, no matter what it was we were really trying to say. We'd laugh. I don't know why I told you that. Anyways, we grew up. My friend's pa 
made a good living trucking, so it seemed like a good move. I'm on the road a lot, but I see my family more than most. I wish I could see Johnny, my older brother. See, Johnny did some bad things. I'll never know how bad, but I could guess. Fell in with a bad crowd, wound up getting himself killed. I miss him. He always looked out for me. Damn. Hell. Right. So I'm a young man, not even 25. I'm on the 550 in New Mexico. I really partied hard in those days. My brother had just passed and I had a full head of steam. Stopped by this little Apache casino to blow some off. I hit the buffet hard, then I hit the bar. It was a good night for a Tuesday. A band, happy hour all night. Usual crowd for a place like that. Midweek, locals, bikers, and truckers. But there was one person that I'll never forget to the day I die. A beautiful Apache girl. She worked there and she caught my eye. She was staring at me from behind the bar over the beer taps. Straight black hair, big brown eyes, gorgeous. The kind of beautiful you know you'll only see once or twice more in your life. (laughs) She wouldn't stop staring at me. But not flirty-like, no. More intensely. Like a hunter letting out his breath before he squeezes the trigger. Then she smiled. (sighs) To think of that smile now makes my stomach drop. I walked over to her. She said, you got a sleeper? I nodded yes with a dumb look on my face. I got beer. Meet me out back in an hour, she said. (sighs) I'm older now, wiser. Let me tell you something. If it's as easy as that, there's something wrong. But I was young. Well, damn, (laughs) I was still feeling like a king. Elvis. She walked back in the kitchen, and I went back to my drink and prayed to God for the shortest hour of my life. I headed outside. It was quiet. I remember that. I could hear the wind howling over the desert, but it was warm. I remember that, too. I walked back to my truck when I hear a loud bang made me jump out of my skin. It was her, the Apache girl. She was taking two giant trash bags out to the dumpster. Let me help you with that. I got it, she said, a little short and cold. I still got that sleeper if you still got the beer, I said. She looked at me like I was crazy. Well... If you have to work a little later, I understand. I'll be back here, I bumbled. She told me to F off. Called me some other hurtful things, too. (laughs) Strangest thing was, I could tell she had no idea who I was. It's me from the bar, I tried to remind her. Forget partying. I just didn't want her to think that I was crazy. Look, I've been working the back all night, and I've never seen you. Go sleep it off, she says. Well, needless to say, I was shook and a little embarrassed. I mean, how could I have made such a mistake? But it wasn't a mistake. 
there ain't two girls that pretty in a place like that. I went back to my sleeper and got ready for the night. A little disappointed with how things went. Even in the cozy familiarity of my truck, I was anxious. Couldn't say why. Kept looking out my window to ease my tension. All I could see was the, the desert by the moonlight and the glow of the city far off. Only a couple rigs in the back lot, but they were ways off. I was alone. I tossed and turned in my bed till I guess I knocked out. Suddenly, there was a slamming on the outside of my truck. I mean, like a, get the hell out of there, that damn thing's on fire. To wake up like that, and I was in a panic. I shot on the cab light and looked out the window, heart jumping over my throat. It was her, the beautiful Apache girl. But something was wrong. She was different. She was staring at me the way she was in the bar, but this time she gently swayed from side to side and her eyes, her eyes were a black void like pools of tar that seemed to pull me closer. I'd forgotten. Had I been looking into her eyes for a few seconds or an eternity, the light from the cab seemed to be sucked into them and the black pools swirled as they devoured the light. Suddenly, I was very, very cold. I could see my breath and I sank. I mean, I felt like I'd jumped off a skyscraper. The further I fell, the more I felt like a prisoner inside my own body. The world swirled and I heard screams of pain, anguish, and terror. Sounds of a million miles away yet right next to me. I grew colder and colder as I fell through. I knew somewhere in the corner of my mind I was still in my truck sleeper cab, staring out the window. But the eyes, the black tar pools were there too, and they wouldn't let me back up. Then I saw myself from outside. I was a puppet, and my master, the woman. She wanted me to open the door. I felt a sense of bliss and satisfaction at the thought of succumbing to her even though I knew it would mean my total annihilation, and my soul would be the price to pay for the pleasure of utter destruction. My hand went to the door handle. I, I had no control. I trembled not from horror, but from excitement. That's when I hear a voice, a voice that sounded like someone screaming underwater. I couldn't quite make it out what it was trying to tell me it was screaming frantically again and again my hand trembled on the door handle one movement of my arm and she would have had me for eternity then I recognized the voice it was my brother Johnny get up get up get up he yelled suddenly as fast as I had sank into that pit I rushed out of it I moved my hand from the door and shut off the cab light. I was in total darkness. I knew she was still there, face pressed to the glass of my truck, trying to get one last flick of light hit her eyes to get me to look. But if I couldn't see her eyes, she couldn't take me back down there. I stayed under the covers all night. 
I felt her vanish as the sky turned light. It was like passing of the storm. I thanked my brother Johnny for saving me one last time, as he always had. But you see how I can guess what bad things he must have done? It's because he was down there. In hell. glimpse of hell in the back of a big rig truck. I'm sure that isn't the first time that's happened, nor is this the first time we've taken a break. But have no fear, cadavers. I'll still be here when you return. Alouette, jante alouette, alouette, jante plumeret. Do you know that tune, cadavers? It's a song about a bird being pulled apart piece by piece. Well, the woman in our next story can relate. She's having the worst night of her life, just like that little bird. I call this one Alouette. There is a moment before you are murdered where you give yourself over to your killer. Your brain is out of ideas. Your body is out of strength, out of the will to fight, and you know it's gonna happen. And you let them take you. I just started working at a truck stop diner. I was paying my way through nursing school by working nights. We'd get all kinds of characters in there. So this one night, we were starting to close down as usual around midnight. Frank, the cook, is in the kitchen, and Emilio, the janitor, was mopping up. The only other living soul in the joint is this trucker who'd been giving me a bad time all night, and I'm trying to get him out of there. I went over to the table. Hey, honey, can you pay the ticket? We're about ready to close up, I say. He shoots back. Don't you call me honey, Gertha. I got daughters your age. I'd heard that one before. My name is Bertha. It's German for bright one. I'm not what you'd call petite or really even average. I'm firmly fat and fabulous. Been that way all my life. So you might say I have a thick skin. Pay the ticket, honey asshole. I spat back at him. And I headed to the teal. I heard a growl from the trucker. I was counting out the teal. When out the large front windows, I saw a rig pull up and park. Sorry, buddy, I thought. We're closed. I couldn't see who was behind the wheel, but there was a small blinking red light in the cab somewhere. The driver's side door opened, and whoever is in there is taking a long time to get out. I kept counting. Then I see him. He's an older man, and he's taking so long because he's trying to get down from his rig and into a wheelchair. Little old guy's got some fight, I thought. After he gets situated, he comes up to the front door. I'm already waiting for him. Sorry, hun, we're closed, I said through a crack in the door. Ah, just my luck, he said. Got stuck on the mountain all night, and now I've missed supper. Sorry, kitchen's closed, I say. It's okay, darling. I can probably grab a candy bar buffet from a gas station. 
Then he paused. I hope you don't mind me saying, but you are beautiful and someone should tell you that every day. Have a good night. He turned around to leave but quickly spun back. Sorry to trouble you, but you think I can use the restroom? Well, I felt bad, letting this little old guy out there hungry and full of business, so I let him in. On the back wall to make a right, I directed him. I'll see what the cook's got left over to send on with you. Thank you, darling, he replied. It's people like you that make my life a little easier, he said with a smile, and he headed towards the restroom. I looked over at the honey asshole table. He was gone, just some cash with a $1 tip. On the dollar bill, he wrote in pen, Tip, suffering teaches veneration, Gertha. He must have took off through the side door. I didn't see him leave. I took the money and went back to the teal. Then Emilio walked by and said, I finished up, but I can hang out till you leave in case that asshole comes back. I looked out the window. There are two rigs in the parking lot. One has that weird blinking red light and the other one must be honey assholes. That's okay, Emilio, I said. Frank's still here. If the truck's still there, I'll have him walk me out. I saw the headlights of Emilio's car drive away. Just then, honey asshole's cab door opens and he's halfway to the door in an instant. Oh, fuck, Frank, I yell and run to the door to lock it just in time. He starts pounding on the glass hard. Open up, Gertha. Hell no, get out of here. I can't, I left my keys at the table, he yelled. I could just barely see the table from the door. No keys. Yeah, right. Get the hell out of my sight or I'm calling the cops. Frank? Frank didn't answer. Honey asshole was still banging on the door, yelling about his keys and cursing up a storm. Finally, he headed back to his truck. As honey asshole walked away, my attention was drawn to the blinking red light in the little old trucker's cab. I should go check on him, I thought. I walked over to the bathroom door and knocked. Excuse me, honey. Are you okay in there? Silence. Hun? I called. I noticed the door was slightly ajar, so I opened it and peeked inside. I, I saw the wheelchair, but there was no one sitting in it. I first thought somebody stole the little guy. I wondered where Frank was. I went back to the kitchen. Frank, I yelled, but no response. The kitchen was empty. When I noticed it, the freezer door was open just a little, and blood was dripping from it. I opened the door and Frank was propped up on some boxes of french fries, shaking, eyes rolling back in his head, or what was left of it. His head had, had been bashed in and there was a bloody red and purple pulp. I went straight into nurse mode. Talk to me, Frank, talk to me, I said as I checked his vitals, but he passed right there. I tried compressions, but, but there was nothing I could do. I ran to the house phone and I picked up the receiver. It was dead. The cord had been cut. I ran to the side exit and tried the door, but there was, there was something large and heavy propped against it from the outside. I was screaming, threw my weight against it, but it wasn't budging. Then the lights went out. I knew immediately all of the power was cut to the restaurant. There was no hum of the freezer, no whirling of exhaust fans. It was quiet as the grave. My stomach sank. I was in a trap. It was dark in there. Close street light barely reached the front door. But, but I could see that blinking red light from the little guy's cab. I, I could see it clearly now that the house lights were off. That little red light belonged to a video camera. Whatever he was going to do to me, he wanted to record it. Then I heard a whistling. I recognized it immediately. It was Alalete. It's a children's song we had to learn in school when I was a kid. It's in French. It's about a man pulling apart a little bird piece by piece.
The whistling came from the shadows and by the front door, white where I'd be in perfect view of the camera. He stepped out from the shadows. He was a lot larger now that he was out of the chair, much taller than me. He was covered head to toe in black coveralls with biker goggles on. I realized this was to protect him from my blood spray when he used the thumper. You see, truckers use this thing called a tire thumper. It makes sure their tires got air. It's basically a small bat, but this one had a heavy metal attachment on the end like a medieval mace. He was patting the end of it with his hand and whistling. His movements weren't feeble anymore. He was nimble, powerful, excited. I had two choices. Run to the kitchen, try to find a weapon or head for the door and jump through the glass. I didn't have time to decide. He rushed me. Thumper raised back. I remember my combat of patient training. Stay close so his blows have less force. I ran at him, gotten close, dipped my shoulder down. I knocked him into the wall, dragged my nails down his face through his hood, dragging his goggles down to his neck. I felt his flesh curl under my nails. He belted me with the thumper across the midsection, broke some ribs. I kicked him in the balls and ran for the door, but he caught me by the hair and hit me in the head with the thumper. I was dazed, screaming, crying. I grabbed his thumper arm and tried to spin him. I rocked him back a bit, but it cost me another thumper to the head. It sent me to the floor. I tried to pick myself up, but, but my hand slipped out from underneath me on my own blood across the linoleum floor. I guess I got him better than I thought because I realized I knocked him over a booth. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw him stand up. I stared down at my reflection in a pool of my own blood, thinking, this is how I'm going to die. I can just stay right here on my hands and knees and he'll beat me over the back of the head and I'll be dead. But as he was walking towards me, he said, You're strong. You're damn right, I yelled. I grabbed both of his ankles and pulled them. He slid across my blood and cracked the back of his head on a table. The thumper went flying. He was dazed. I flipped him over onto his stomach and straddled him. I grabbed the elastic band of his goggles and wrapped the slack of the band tight round both of my hands. I felt his body jolt with fear. We were connected. I pulled back as hard as I could with all my weight. All I could see was white. I could feel him flailing with everything he had, reaching out for something, anything off him. But I sat back deeper and deeper. I heard him gurgle and pop. I also heard Honey Asshole call me Gertha. I saw the boys who used to call me a pig and pinch my belly. All the mean girls who would ignore me would disgust and laugh as I walked by. Then I felt him snapping like a down power line on the pavement, and I knew the instant he knew. He realized this is how he was going to die. And then I felt him give in to me, resolve himself to my will. He went limp and the gurgling stopped. When the coroner arrived, they said I broke his neck post-mortem. The funniest thing was after I felt him stop moving. I could see Honey Asshole's keys under the dining booth table. Always remember, even when you're sure things can't get any worse, at least there isn't a serial killer trying to bash your brains in. Ready for one more? You've survived this long. What's one last break? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. 
So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Still wide awake, are we? Perfect. You have something in common with the teller of our final tale. All Mac wants is some sleep, but a stray dog just won't stop barking. Our next story is called Man's Best Friend. The dog I killed saved my life. I've always loved animals, and what I wanted more than anything was to have a dog. My dad was mean, so it wasn't easy to get one. But when I was 11, my mom brought me home a dog from the pound. She paid for that one, I'm sure. That dog was my best friend. She protected me. I called her Puka. She was a white Siberian husky. She was beautiful, and I was proud to show her off. But anything that brought light into our family's world, my dad had to snuff out. Huskies are escape artists. They like to roam, and as much as I took her out to run or play, it was never enough. Knowing this, I tried my best to turn the backyard into Alcatraz, but she escaped. Twice. The first time, me and Puka got a beating. The second, Dad picked me up from school. Now, my dad never picked me up from school, so when I saw his big white truck pull up in front of the school, I almost ran, but I saw Puka chained up in the back of the truck, He told me what happened as we took a different way home. He drove onto the highway. Apparently, Puka had escaped, run down the street. She was barking at a neighbor lady, putting her kids in a car. The lady screamed. Puka didn't do anything. She just wanted to play, but the lady didn't know that. The police got called and animal control. My dad was embarrassed. My dad told me to get out and let Puka go. Tears in my eyes, I unchained her gave her a hug. Then my dad threw me in the back seat and peeled out. I will never forget how Puka looked staring at us, leaving her behind. She looked confused, but she didn't try to catch us. I think she thought we were coming back. Ever since that day, I have this same nightmare where I hear Puka barking and I rush to the front door to let her in, to hug her, to tell her I'm sorry. But when I open the door, it's not Puka. Well, it is, but it's her the way she died. But she's not dead. She's standing there panting, emaciated, flesh hanging off her starving bones, baby flies bursting through eggs under the surface of her paper-thin skin and mangy fur. She is living rot. Then came that night. When I was 25, I hadn't spoken to my father in eight years, and... I got a call from my mother. The bastard died. Good. 
I just started trucking. When I got the call, I was in some high desert rest stop in between nowhere and Schitt's Creek. It was late and I'd been driving since sunrise. I pulled my rig over for the night. Some other trucker, visibly pissed off, was just leaving the rest stop. As he passed me, he rolled down his window. Don't bother. Some damn dog is out there, won't shut up. You won't get a wink. I was exhausted and needed to sleep at least a couple hours. Besides, I take sleeping pills that knock me out, dead to the world. As I buttoned up my cab for the night, I heard the dog somewhere out there in the wasteland. I decided to put out a bowl of water and some patties from a leftover burger. I was trying to help that poor lost dog. I didn't feel scared yet. I felt guilty. I propped myself up on a pillow in my sleeper so my back was against a window and my feet pointed to the adjacent window. That way all I had to do was open my eyes and I could see clear out to the food and water I'd left out. I don't know, maybe I could pick out the little guy, he could ride with me. I could do for him or her what I couldn't do for Puka. Give it a safe, loving home. I knocked back my sleeping pills. After about an hour of reading, no barking, no furry tail outside my cab, nighty-night. As the Sandman gently guided me to the land of sleep, I was still thinking about what the angry trucker said. I don't scare easy, but I was a little on edge. I usually don't mind sleeping out in the middle of nowhere. In fact, I feel safer there than in the city. But something wasn't right. It was the way the crickets had gone quiet. The way the wind stopped blowing, like nature herself was hiding from something. I tossed and turned. I just kept staring out of the window, expecting to see something. But it was a moonless night. There was nothing. Then I heard it. And I've heard it a thousand times since in my nightmares. My sleeping pill was kicking in hard and I was beginning to drift. It was barking far off in the distance, way off. I think about it now. I might have been dreaming, but I wasn't. I must have fallen asleep at some point because I remember the nightmare. I was a boy again. I was surrounded by a pack of dogs. They were snarling. When I tried to move past, one would snap and I'd stay put. They wanted to keep me there. Something was coming. They wanted to show me. There was a deep, guttural barking and it was getting closer. Was it part of the dream? The sense of dread I felt broke me from my sleep. I clicked my light on. I just needed to be out of the dark. Half awake, I heard barking again. I wasn't dreaming. This time it was closer. I stared out of the window, trying to get a sense of where it was. The food and water I'd placed outside was just out of reach of my cab's light. I could see a snarling shape tearing at the food. I realized the light betrayed me. Now whatever was out there in the dark knew right where I was. I clicked it off. I was alone in the dark. A bark came from behind me. Was it circling me? Was there two? My adrenaline caved to my sleeping pills. The Sandman began singing me a lullaby. I could feel the hands of sleep dragging me down, but it felt like a betrayal, like the Sandman was holding me down so whatever was outside could chew my throat. My next dream picked up where the last left off, but the hounds weren't circling anymore. They sat at attention on hind legs, like when your dog's waiting patiently to be fed. Then I saw the figure approach. It was Puka. She was alive, healthy. But with each step toward me, she began to wither like a rotten orange. Her skin became a 
curse around her sagging bones. Her fur like cobwebs, chunks of flesh began to fall to the ground. The left side of her mouth slid off and left her with a permanent snarl. Her eyes fogged blue. Flies and worms surged under her brittle skin. She came closer. The barking grew louder, closer. I had to wake myself from the terror. Have you ever had sleep paralysis? You literally can't move, though you're sure you're awake. I knew this was a dream and I just had to wake up and it would be over, but I couldn't. The terror was unreal. I felt like I was going to die, like I was chained to a tree and about to be eaten alive by a pack of wild dogs. The barking was closer now, feet away. The living corpse of Puka approached. Her face was right next to mine. The barking was right next to my ear. I could hear the snapping of teeth, but hers weren't moving. Then Puka's mouth creaked open. Her putrid breath lurched into my screaming mouth. Her carcass's maggot-infested tongue licked me across the face. I closed my eyes, and when I opened them, she was alive again. It was my puka, just like the last time I saw her. She stared at me, like she was trying to tell me something, like she was trying to warn me. I could still hear her teeth snapping by my ear. What did she want? Suddenly I realized she wanted me to wake up. I was ejected from my dream. I was awake and staring at my blanketed feet out of the window in front of me. I could faintly hear something outside my window, like right outside. It sounded like the tapping of a dog to be let in the back door. Without thinking, I opened the curtain to the window I'd been propped up against. I could see a fog on the window like something had been breathing on it. I could see where the fog had been cleared away by the snapping teeth and the licking tongue. Then I heard barking. Out of the darkness lunged the face of a crazed maniac. His hair was a mess. He barked and growled and spit at my window. I scrambled to the CB radio and got a hold of the state trooper. They came and picked him up. Apparently this guy tricks people into thinking they're helping a lost dog. When they walk into the dark, he kills them and cuts up the body. The trooper said it was a good thing I woke up when I did. say it, but our dog days are over. I hope you enjoyed our dead time stories inspired by tales told at truck stops. And do come visit me again soon. We have many more short, scary stories to share. Sweet dreams, my little cadavers. <laughs> You've made it through the night. Congrats. Let's get going before that changes. The six stories you've heard were written by my twin brother, Will Martinez, the other half of the Martinez twins. The Martinez twins have many frightening tales to share, so please find our award-winning short films on our YouTube channel. Simply search Martinez Twins Horror and enjoy. You can also find more thrilling stories from Graveyard Shift on Ranker.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and other connected TV apps. 
Tonight's production starred Todd Lights, Kayla Jeffries, Todd Denson, and Benjamin Apple, with editing by my younger brother, Martin Martinez. I believe you can find your way home from here. Until next time, farewell. Farewell.